The Power Zone Sports Podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, TicketSmarter.com, and our Florida realtor, Drew Felios. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is to beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. He is safe. Green runs in This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome in, Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us. A big week of news and notes around the sports world. It is championship weekend in the NFL, AFC title game, San Francisco-Detroit. And in the AFC, uh, excuse me, NFC title game, San Francisco-Detroit. And then AFC title game, showdown in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Play host to Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. A big weekend. We'll get into these couple games here in just a little bit. First off, a quick recap of last weekend. The divisional matchups. You had the, the wild finish in Buffalo. Buffalo, Kansas City. You had uh, Tampa Bay, Detroit in the NFC. First one to hit on Todd Bowles in the, in the Buccaneers. Todd Bowles letting the last 36 seconds of the, of the clock run out. Not using his timeouts. I don't understand what Todd was uh, thinking there. Obviously, Dan Campbell and the Lions botched the end of the game as far as kneeling the ball out following the Baker Mayfield interception. Was very, very surprised that Todd, again, if you don't remember, basically Detroit kneeled the ball down on third down with 36 seconds left, and Tampa Bay still had a timeout left. The Bucs could have called a timeout to force Detroit to have to do something on fourth down, whether it was kick a 49-yard field goal go for it or punt, uh, they most likely would have kicked a field goal. And again, with Michael Badgley as the Detroit kicker, by no means anything close to being a guaranteed make there. 49-yard field goal. The Bucks get the ball back down eight with 30 seconds to go. There's still time to, to make something happen. Again, just very surprised that uh, somebody on that staff, that Buccaneer staff, did not uh, implore Bowles to call timeout. I'm even surprised somebody on the defense didn't call timeout. A guy like, like Levante David, Avita Vea, uh, Antoine Winfield, you know, savvy veterans that they are on the field in that moment, realizing that Detroit screwed up and not milking enough time off the clock, which they could have done. And shame on Dan Campbell for, for screwing that up there at the end and allowing there to be an opportunity to uh, for that to potentially happen. So, um, Again, very surprised. Again, not a great answer by Todd Bowles post-game that the game was over. Didn't like that answer, but uh, interesting uh, scenario there. And then obviously you have the Buffalo-Kansas City game where, uh, you know, Bass misses the field goal at the end. Um, you know, tough. And then, then you had the Josh Allen couple plays on second and third down at the two-minute warning when there were op- looked like there were opportunities there for a short pass. Could have potentially extended the drive and then milk the uh, the clock there at the end and burn the burn the clock to either kick a field goal or win the game. Did not happen. Uh, two incompletions and then you had the the bass miss field goal there as the Chiefs 
once again eliminate the Buffalo Bills from the, the playoffs for the third time. Uh, Mahomes has eliminated Josh Allen, which is hard to believe, but it has happened. Uh, and again, surprised uh, how Buffalo did not was not able to execute very well there down the stretch. So, in uh, the other two divisional games, you had uh, Baltimore pulled away from Houston uh, in the second half, and then you had San Francisco and Green Bay again, another game that was for the taking there. Anders Carlson with a horrific miss, forty-one yards. Uh, two really bad misses by the kickers this week with with Carlson and Bass. Not as much Bass because the 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 wind conditions, but Carlson's miss uh, was was really bad. Two things I will say: the for somebody that pays attention to the kicking game very closely, the mechanics of some of these guys that are that are kicking in in these high leverage moments are not great. The footwork was really bad with Carlson and Bass, which led to the misses. And I'm just very very again. When you have a when your form is not great and your footwork is not great and your fundamentals are not great, especially at the kicking position, that's in the critical pressurized moments is when these 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 things come to roost. Uh, and if and if you don't hit the ball exceptionally pure every single time with bad mechanics and bad footwork, you're not going to make these kicks in these high pressure moments. So, um, you know, Carlson, we interesting to see what Green Bay does with Carlson next year. Obviously, they they had a uh, Really good year, and Love threw a terrible interception there at the end after San Francisco took the lead. Green Bay, Green Bay was kind of moving the ball towards midfield to potentially kick another tying field goal, but a, a horrendous interception by Love. And the one thing about Love is everybody, we all compliment Love's arm talent and all that, and, and we, we kind of applaud him for, well, he throws off his back foot a lot, he does well. Well, that was just, again, you cannot, when things are, are, are good around you, you cannot be thrown off your back foot like he did. And just too much of that will get him in trouble long term. He's got to be aware of that in his uh, analysis of himself in the, in the, in the offseason that thrown off your back foot's fine and dandy when it has to be done. But when things are good around you and you're still thrown off your back foot, that is not that is not a winning formula of, of quarterback play uh, at the at the ultimate level. So uh again, the late game on Sunday is going to be San Francisco Detroit. We are going to talk to Dan Miller, play-by-play voice of the Detroit Lions. You're going to hear the a chat I had myself uh, one of my other uh, gigs is I co-host a, the Press Box radio show alongside Mike Grace and uh, and company on Wednesdays, PressBoxRadio.com. The show uh, runs 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 in the morning uh, on affiliates all around the southeast, about 20 different affiliates in the states of uh, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, uh so check out the press box. Check out the press box Monday through Friday, eight to ten. But again, I co-host with Mike Grace, and we had the pleasure to interview Dan Miller, play-by-play voice of the Detroit Lions. So you're going to hear that interview uh, here in just a few minutes, talking about the Detroit uh, uh, surge, about the reorganization of the organization, about the hiring of Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, and all and all the suffering Detroit has gone through in the last uh, you know 30 to 30 years or so so Dan's been uh, calling the Lions games for many many years so you'll you'll enjoy that chat as we preview the game and just talk about the uh, the rebirth of the Detroit franchise so but you got uh, San Francisco Detroit on the, is that's the late game on Fox with uh, Burkhart and Olsen and then you'll have the the 
uh, leadoff game will be in, in in Baltimore. Romo and Nance on CBS, 3 o'clock Sunday, Kansas City and Baltimore. These two games, I think uh, I think San Francisco is going to be the is going to be the uh, clear favorite in their game. I think last week was the week to get San Francisco. San Francisco about is about a seven point favorite. Last week, in my view, was the week to get San Francisco. I think they're going to play much much cleaner. I think Purdy is going to play better. The weather's not going to be an issue for Purdy in the wet ball. Um, I think uh, I think they're going to score a bunch of points. I think I think Detroit's going to have a very tough time stopping them. I know Debo Samuel is questionable with his shoulder injury. I think even with or without Debo, I think you're going to see San Francisco go up and down the field with their formations and their shifts. McCaffrey's going to get a heavy workload. You're going to see Kittle. Um, you're going to see Ayuk. Uh, I just think Brock Purdy's going to have a is going to have a really good game against that Detroit suspect Detroit secondary. And on the other side, can Detroit keep up offensively with Golf? With Amon St. Brown, uh, with Ross St. Brown, with the running backs, uh, I think again, I think part they'll, they'll have a pretty good feel of Jared Goff, having played him a bunch of times with the Rams. Uh, I, I like San Francisco here uh, comfortably, uh, more than one score to advance to the Super Bowl in the in the uh, leadoff game. KC Baltimore. I mean, you got the the lot of pressure on. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson to perform. It's laid out for Lamar. He's got the best team, got the best defense. Um, he's playing well offensively. The game's at home. Everything's laid out for Lamar Jackson to get to the Super Bowl. Now it's time for him to go do it. He's got to do it. He's he's not his postseason record's not been great. Played really well last week, uh, but you, you want to be in the upper echelon. Uh, of, of quarterbacks in the league. You got to win a game like this against a team that you're better than. Uh, give Kansas City all the credit going to Buffalo and kind of the way they've re, uh, reorganized their team the last five or six weeks, focusing more on the running game. Uh, with Pacheco, you still have Kelsey who played well last week. But again, and, and give again, Kansas City's got a good defense. But if Baltimore plays well, I think Baltimore's the better team here. Uh, the game's at home. Uh, but you do have Mahomes. Mahomes is a magic man. He can he can do things that other people can't do, and his game awareness is so good. That's what separates him from everybody else. Even Lamar Jackson, he is so good when the moments when the moment requires it. Uh, we will see what happens here in Baltimore. But I do I think Baltimore is going to have enough to get it done. Uh, I think again, Mark Andrews is probably coming back for Baltimore. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for them because Isaiah likely has been playing really well. I think you're going to see an emergence of Odell Beckham this week. He's been pretty quiet the last two or three weeks. I think this is the kind of game where you'll see Beckham play well. I think you'll see Lamar Jackson run the ball a little bit. How does Kansas City defend Lamar Jackson and his his ability to run as far as containing that pass rush? Do they blitz more? Do they play more coverage? Be very interesting to see. Interesting stat I, I, I saw as well. Kansas City's not given up more than 260 yards passing all year, which is hard to believe in this day and age of the NFL. But uh, give Spagnuolo and that defense credit. They played really well with Chris Jones. You got Traverius Ward in the back end. Uh, so we'll see how how they match up with the Baltimore defense or the Baltimore offense. But I do like a rematch. I like San Francisco Baltimore rematch. Uh, back from a few weeks back, where Baltimore went into San Francisco and throttled the Niners. Game Super Bowl will be in two weeks in Las Vegas, but I like a Baltimore San Francisco uh, game. As far as the power, I'll give you some powers picks while we're at it. Again, I do like San Francisco minus the seven. I like San Francisco over twenty nine and a half t- team points um, as well. 
And I also like San Francisco first half would be my three football uh, plays for the week. I, I, again, I really think San Francisco is going to come out on fire, play a really good game here. Again, remember they they got out of, they got out of, out of Dodge last week against Green Bay. Uh, very easily could have uh, lost that game, but I like San Francisco first half. I like San Francisco over the team total, and I like San Francisco minus the seven in the game. So there's your NFL uh, game analysis breakdown. Now let's get to the head coaching carousel, which has been a wild week in the head coach in the head coaching world. Um, you got Bill Callahan, or yeah. You got Brian Callahan, Bill Callahan's son, going to Tennessee. You got Harbaugh going to the Chargers. You got Raheem Morris, a little bit of a surprise, going to the Falcons. You got Carolina hiring Dave Canales, my OC down here in Tampa, the the, the, fir, the, fir, the first year OC down here in Tampa. A little bit of a surprising move there. And then you have OJ Mayo, obviously, with the Patriots. Two vacancies you still have. We got Washington which many believe is going to be Ben Johnson from Detroit is going to be in that mix. And then you have Seattle, which uh, we kind of people think it's going to be Dan Quinn, but I think if it had been Dan Quinn, they would have already hired Dan Quinn. Don't be surprised if a guy like Vrabel comes out of nowhere and gets that job. Um, the two name, A couple names that were very curious, no Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Most people thought Belichick would have a really good opportunity in Atlanta. Again, you've heard various uh, analysis about why maybe no Bill Belichick age, his inflexibility with the personnel department, his ability, his his uh, need to have massive control in the organization, uh, potentially his his lack of offensive creativity the last three or four years, his inability to develop a quarterback. Remember, he drafted Mac Jones, and that did not go well for three years. Um, you know, is this potentially the last game Bill Belichick's ever coached in the NFL? Probably not. He'll probably get an opportunity next year if he wants one. But again, very you know, and Atlanta was the only place that interviewed Bill Belichick too. Um, that which was was a little surprising. Um, little surprise again. I will throw out a wild card here that that potentially could be in the weeds if something were to happen. If Andy Reid were to either win the Super Bowl and retire or decide to retire uh, post-AFC title game, if that were to happen, I think that would be a perfect natural blend-in would be to, 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 for Bill Belichick to go to Kansas City to work for the Hunt family. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. If you do have a, a an Andy Reid situation, again, there's been some chatter throughout the year that Andy Reid could potentially retire um, but if he retires, I think Bill Belichick would be a perfect fit there, and I could definitely see a short-term, two or three-year fit in Kansas City with Mahomes, obviously, and that uh, and star power. You got the Hunt family, which is a legendary family in the world uh, of the NFL. They would not give up control of the organization with Brett Veach and company to Belichick. He would just come into coach. But I could definitely see that being a fit. Remember, Belichick's 14 or 15 games away from breaking Don Shula's record. You know, deep down, he wants to do that. Um, so I could definitely see if, if Andy Reid were to step away, uh, I could definitely see that. There was speculation would would potentially Robert Sala or Sean McDermott be in trouble. Sounds like he's not in McDermott's not gonna, is going to be safe there in Buffalo. I thought that could potentially be a fit there if, if with McDermott's inability to get Buffalo over the hump, kind of like a uh, Tony Dungy, John Gruden situation from 20-something years ago. 
but Buffalo has definitely has decided to stay there. Howie uh, Howie Roseman and Luria have definitely have, have decided to keep Nick Sirianni. You, you saw the if you didn't see Nick uh, Vic Fangio's coming up as the off as the defensive coordinator, they're replacing their offensive coordinator as well. You've heard some names. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury potentially, and some other names. They've not hired anybody as the OC, but uh, Sirianni's going to going to survive with Fangio joining the defense. Um, I think that's probably ultimately a good move there. I think Sirianni's a pretty good coach. Uh, just had a bad last half of, the, of this year, and obviously made some bad uh, OC and DC hires last year. When the remember the OC and the DC last year left for head coaching jobs. Steichen went to the Colts. Gannon went to Arizona. So. Not a, did, uh, they promoted from within. Did not do a good job there on the promotions, and now they've hired from. They're going to hire from the outside with Fangio coming in to run the defense, and uh, they're going to have an OC in the offense. Uh, Harbaugh to the Chargers, kind of the most open secret everybody thought was going to be there. That finally happened later in the week. That's not a big surprise. Uh, you got it'd be very interesting how he and. Uh, Herbert mesh together. I think it'll be a good, really good fit. They have a lot of salary cap issues in, in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers, so there's going to be a lot of purging of the salary cap of some high-priced players, guys like Khalil Mack, guys like potentially Derwin James, guys like Bosa potentially, guys like Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. Eckler probably won't be back in, in with the Chargers as well, so there'll be a lot of change in the personnel with some of the high-priced guys. But uh, Harbaugh will do a good job with the Chargers. Tom Telesco named the coach, I mean, sorry, named the GM with the Raiders to pair up with Antonio Pierce. You got Brian Callahan to Tennessee, the offensive coordinator from the from the Bengals who did not call plays with the Bengals. Remember, Zach Taylor was the play caller there. But Callahan has a good reputation around the league as, as, a, as a leader. Uh, remember, his dad, Bill Callahan, was the guy that coached the Raiders, longtime offensive line coach in the league. They are in a full rebuild in Tennessee. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna break it down and build it back up. With what they're gonna do at quarterback, who knows? And I, a name to keep an eye on there at quarterback would be Jake Browning, potentially as a free agent going to Tennessee to compete with Will Levis. Uh, Browning, remember, was the backup in Cincinnati with Burrow. Had some really good games. It wouldn't shock me at all if Callahan brought Browning in to Tennessee on a two or three year deal um, there as well. So. Um, Carolina probably went through a lot of candidates. Remember, they hired Dan Morgan earlier in the week, the the uh, former player, Miami Hurricane, former Carolina player. He was the assistant GM in Carolina. They hired him as the full-time uh, president of football operations and GM. He had a relationship with Dave Canales back in their Seattle days. Uh, Morgan worked in the Seattle organization for seven or eight years while Canales was out there. So I think that's where that relationship uh, fostered itself. Canales, remember, he's only been a offensive coordinator for one year here in Tampa, but he was the quarterback coach in Seattle with Geno Smith's resurgence. He was the quarterback coach, obviously, in OC here with uh, Tampa with Baker Mayfield. So he's got some success. Um Developing quarterbacks, he will have his hands full with Bryce Young and that Carolina roster. Not a great roster there in Carolina, but he and Morgan do have a relationship back in their Seattle days. So we will see if Dave Canales, was he hired a year or two too early? I tend to think he might have been, but we'll see. But again, Canales did a good job here in Tampa with the offense with Baker Mayfield. Uh, But Dave Canales leaves Tampa to go to Carolina. 
Uh, interesting to see what Tampa will do at the OC position. I heard uh, that Kellen, Kellen Moore is going to be interviewed. I could see a guy like uh, Alex Van Pelt interviewed. Will they promote Thad Lewis from within? I don't think they will do that. I think a guy like Kellen Moore might be an interesting uh, hire. Uh, and how will that affect the ability or what they decide to do with Baker Mayfield? So remember, Kellen Moore went to Dallas. He was in Sandy with Chargers last year with Herbert. Really good offensive mind. Um, but we'll be interested to see what the, what the Bucks do at the OC spot there. And, and obviously in Atlanta, everybody thought uh, they interviewed a zillion people. Um, Raheem Morris is the guy they settled on. Remember, Raheem Morris was the interim coach before they when they fired. Uh, uh, before they brought in Arthur Smith, Raheem Morris was the interim coach uh, when they let go Dan Quinn. They they did not rehire Raheem Morris, but Raheem Morris has coached with the Falcons for five or six years. He's coached both offense and defense. They know him well. He will fit in well in the Atlanta community um, as well. Will Raheem Morris, remember Raheem Morris was the head coach of the Buccaneers back in the late 2000s. Uh, he got hired at 32 years old by Mark Dominic. Uh, they did not. Uh, he only lasted three years. He was probably a little immature at the time to be the head coach. Um, at the end of his tenure, had some issues. It sounds like off the field, things like that. Uh, a little, maybe a little too buddy buddy with the players. But Raheem Morris has done a good job revitalizing his career. Good job defensive coordinating with the Rams. They won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Solid football coach. Hopefully the second go-around will be better than the first. Um, but Raheem Morris gets that job in Atlanta. No Bill Belichick, no Mike Vrabel there in Atlanta. Those are the two big names that could be left out of the that could be left out of the uh, the mix here. Um, would not surprise me though if Vrabel is a serious con- candidate in Seattle. I think that job will either be Vrabel or Dan Quinn. Um, and then I think uh, we we talked about um, Ben Johnson, the OC for the Detroit Lions. Most people think he's going to be the guy that Washington ends up with. If it's not him, I definitely could see it being Mike Vrabel there as well. So um, there's your coaching carousel, your news and notes, nuggets. Uh, Bill Vinovich will be the Super Bowl referee. Uh, this is his third time that he is he he's been selected. He is a really good referee. I like that selection. Vinovich is is not always do, does a good job in these games. You see him a lot in these big games. But Bill Vinovich will be the Super Bowl referee, third time. Interesting note about Vinovich: he referees college basketball as well on the West Coast. He's a college basketball official. He also had a heart issue several years back that he had to take a leave of absence from the NFL. Um, so good for Bill Vinovich. Will be refereeing Super Bowl, the Super Bowl in Vegas, his third time there. So, um, a couple more notes, and then we'll get to Dan Miller. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA they fired Adrian Griffin. Uh, <clears throat> seems like there were some coaching issues there. They bring in Doc Rivers from ESPN. I think it's a terrible look for ESPN. Uh, uh, you know, if you're Doc Rivers, what are you doing taking the ESPN job if you know that you're going to take an NBA job within within a year? It's just a bad look for ESPN. Remember, ESPN fired uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson to bring in Doc Rivers to pair with Doris Burke and Mike Breen. It's just a bad look for ESPN. Now ESPN's scrambling to have to fill in that third spot in the booth. Um, I don't again. 
Say what you want about Van Gundy. Most people love Van Gundy's honesty, and maybe that got him in trouble with the league a little bit, being a little too honest about his uh, about some of the things that the league, maybe league decisions, things like that. Most people think that the league was involved in the in the nudging of Jeff Van, Van Gundy out the door at ESPN, but it's just a bad look for ESPN when you bring in Doc Rivers and he and he and he jumps ship after freaking 30, 40 games. He probably called ten games for ESPN during the year, and he bolts for the Milwaukee Bucks job uh, to replace Adrian Griffin. Um, don't feel sorry for Adrian Griffin. He probably was a little too young, a little too raw and green as a head coach for that kind of job, that pressurized job of Milwaukee having to win. Did Giannis have something to do with the firing? We'll never know, but I'm sure behind the scenes he probably did. Um, so Doc Rivers in Milwaukee for Adrian Griffin. And then the other note I want to hit on is how about Nick Dunlap? Who's Nick Dunlap? Alabama sophomore who won the PGA Tour event, the, the formerly the Bob Hope, now the American Express. He wins the PGA Tour event as an amateur. What a job. Wasn't able to collect the $1.5 million prize money. He was the first amateur since 91 and Phil Mickelson to win an event, which is, hard, which is an amazing feat in itself. Uh, Nick, Nick Dunlap has decided to turn pro later in the week. He, decided, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. He took a few days to think about it. And then Dunlap on Thursday uh, declared that he was going to turn pro. Still can't collect the $1.5 million, but he will definitely uh, have some endorsement deals that will, uh, that will uh, take care of that. I am sure. Plus, he has an exemption for the next two and a half years on the PGA Tour. Plus, he's going to get to play in three out of the four majors this year. He would have gotten to do that no matter what, whether he played, uh, whether he was pro or not with the majors. But but he's going to have an exemption now through the end of 2026, which is a which is a great feat for him, uh, which will get him going on the, on his pro golf golf, golf uh, career. But what a week it had to be for Nick Dunlap to have to go back to Alabama, go back to class on a Monday or Tuesday, which he probably didn't go to class this week, I would think. He probably uh, took the week off, would be my guess, and act like he was a little sick and didn't go to didn't go to uh, a meteorology class on Tuesday morning. But again, what a week it had to be for Nick Dunlap back on the campus. You saw, I, I was watching the Alabama-Auburn basketball game when he was in attendance. They interviewed him on ESPN. But what a, what a job by Nick Dunlap, the Alabama sophomore, Winning the PGA Tour event at 20 years old. Now he's going to turn pro. Uh, good for him. And uh, good luck to Nick Dunlap in his PGA Tour career. So there's your news and notes for the week. Uh, again, uh, the last full weekend in the, NF- in the NFL. Not even a full weekend. There's two games left on Sunday. It's hard to believe that the uh, the NFL season is all but over. Uh, we'll have the, the combine. I'll be here before we know it. The Senior Bowl is next week in, in Mobile. Um, so you'll see some of the college guys. Obviously, you'll see all that stuff next week on probably the NFL Network and ESPN, highlighting the Senior Bowl. Then you'll have the Combine, and you'll have free agency. Uh, we still have a couple of coaching hires to be made, so some activity. But the, but the NFL is a year-round uh, business on the calendar. Um, TV ratings were, were booming last week. Again, 40 million or so watched the Bucks lions Another 40 or 50 million watched the 49ers in Green Bay. Excuse me, Green Bay. You had Buffalo, Kansas City got a huge rating. So again, the popularity is off the charts with the NFL. Be interesting to see what they decide to do with another. Will they do another Peacock exclusive game next year? Come playoff time, we will see what happens there. But uh, the NFL never stops, 
and uh, we will be here to cover it as well. Dan Miller, play-by-play voice of the Detroit Lions coming up. Again, my thanks to Mike Grace uh, for allowing me to use some of the audio of the interview we all did together with Dan Miller, myself, Bart Heitch, and Mike Grace, part of the Press Box radio show. Talked to Dan Miller earlier in the week about the Lions, and you will hear that interview here in just a minute. We'll be back in just a second. Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks for finding us on X at JPO Sports. Check out our audio content and our video content on the Jason Powers Sports channel on YouTube. And uh, thanks for make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Be back in just a minute. Dan Miller, Detroit Lions. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home? Are you looking to get into a a single family residence, condo, townhouse, duplex, whatever it is? If you need financing help to get pre-approved, which you need to do, reach out to Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers. We'll get you approved in less than 24 hours. We'll get you qualified, figure out what you can afford, and we will get you in a position to be able to make that offer. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending. We can help you with an FHA loan, a VA loan if you're a veteran, a conventional loan, a bank statement loan. We can help you with a investment property, a second home. Whatever their financing needs are, reach out to me, Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. If you have any buying or selling real estate needs in the Tampa Bay area or anywhere in Central Florida, reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934. Drew can help you on the buying side or the selling side for any real estate, commercial, or residential property. Drew is my guy anywhere here in the state of Florida, especially in Central Florida and the Tampa Bay area. Reach out to Drew Felios, 813-382-9934 for all of your real estate buying and selling needs. All right, welcome to 2024 National Championship in the books, Michigan National Champions, but the NFL playoffs are here for the next four to five weeks, heading to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Ticketsmarter.com is your place to go to find tickets on the secondary market, where it's NFL playoffs, NBA, NHL, college basketball, concerts, whatever it is, anywhere in the country, TicketSmarter.com and their mobile app is the place to go for the get-in price to check on your better, lower-level seat price tickets. TicketSmarter's technology gives you the most competitive pricing on the secondary market. Your purchase is safe and guaranteed. And here's a promo code for you. Powers 10 will save you $100 or save you $10 on a $100 order or Powers 20 will save you $20 on a $300 order. Again, NFL playoffs, whatever it is, TicketSmarter.com and their mobile app is the place to go. Tell them the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. You can use the codes as many times as you want anywhere in the country. TicketSmarter.com. Think smarter, ticket smarter, and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember the code POWERS10 or POWERS20. Baker leans in. There's the snap. Blitz comes. Mayfield back. Loads. Throws. Picked up by the Lions. Intercepted by the Lions. Intercepted by the Lions. Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes. Derek Barnes. Oh, baby. 133 to go. The Lions are going to San Francisco. Derek Barnes with the interception. Oh, baby, stand up, Ford Field. Look at this. Woo! 
Look at this. How deserving the Detroit Lions all the way to the NFC Championship game this weekend. And that called on the Detroit Lions radio network. From the voice of the Lions, that is Dan Miller. I saw this fantastic quote about Dan online this week. It says, a lot of people are deserving of this run, including this guy, Dan Miller. He's been the voice of desperation and despair and now maybe of destiny. A hopeful voice always and a victorious voice at last. What kind of week's it been for you, Dan Miller? Welcome inside the press box, man. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, I mean, this, this whole run has been special. I mean, even going back just to the regular season and, you know, the team winning its first division title in 30 years, that was something that, you know, we'd all dreamed about. We all knew was possible, but we had to see them do it. And then to win a playoff game, which they hadn't done in 32 years, to win another playoff game, which they had won two since 1957. So all of it is just kind of built upon itself. The electricity in the city, the fans just really buying in from day one of the regular season this year. Uh, it's been magical and it just seems to to keep getting better. And obviously the stakes continue to go up and things continue to get tougher, but it's been unbelievable. Hey, Dan, Jason, I want to take you back a couple years. Uh, Sheila Ford Hamp, who's kind of the new operating owner of the Lions, taking over for, as part of the Ford family. She's got a lot of credit for the way she's kind of revamped the operations of the, of the Lions. You bring in Chris Spielman to assist uh, kind of as a special assistant. You bring in Dan Campbell a couple of years ago. And as important, you bring in a guy named Brad Holmes, who uh, kind of a, a first-time GM, a guy that I know from down here in Tampa. He actually went to high school about 10 minutes from where I live, down here in the Tampa area. Um just talk about how the organizational structure got put together and the relationships and the the, the, the symmetry that the, the thought process between Brad and Dan and then the support that uh, Sheila Ford Hamp has given this operation to give it a chance to prosper like it has over the last three years. Yeah, well, the credit really starts with her because when she decided to move on from uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, she could have just gone out and hired a GM and hired a head coach and Everybody was said, oh, she got a couple good ones here. Let's see if it works. But she she did more than that. She brought in, as you mentioned, Chris Spielman in December of that year before the season was even over. And instead of just beginning a search, they, they did a deep dive within the organization and found out that much of it was broken and much of it was fractured. And that the previous regime, frankly, had left a lot of people feeling like they weren't valued. And the building had been divided in half between football and everybody else. And everybody else was kind of told that they didn't matter a whole lot. And that that's not a good way to run an organization and you're not going to be successful. And they weren't successful. So they changed that. They decided they needed better culture, which is a word we throw around a lot, but it was true. Uh, they needed more collaborative efforts from everybody to make everybody feel like they're part of something. And that's that was their vision to begin with. Before they hired anybody else, it was, you're going to have to fit into this because this is who we want to be. And this is what we believe will make us successful. And they found Dan Campbell. They found Brad Holmes, guys that have lived that every day since they've been here. So, so I credit her a lot for not just continuing along with the same old, same old, but instead figuring out where could they be better and where did their vision and their overall structure need to be better. And then those guys have just done an amazing job, kind of an arranged marriage. Uh, you know, it wasn't like Brad went out and hired Dan. They were hired by Sheila and Rod Wood and Chris Spielman and Mike Disner. And, you know, they've been working together beautifully ever since. And obviously, you know, when you get down to the football part of it, they've drafted good players. 
More importantly, they've developed players after they've gotten to Detroit, which is something yep. we didn't see for a long time. And it, it's just been, this is the way you win. You draft, you develop, you draft, you develop, you build depth, and all of a sudden you look up, you got a pretty good team. So it's a long way of saying the credit starts with her, but she has empowered the right people now. And as importantly, real quick, Mike, as importantly, they went through some very tough times that first year and a half. Campbell, I think, started out, what, 0-10-1, something like that, 0-9-1. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very easily, the pressure of the losing of all the years could have been a, hey, we're going to pull the plug on this guy. Um, but Sheila, they believed in the in the in the culture and the thing that you know that that Brad and uh, Dan were building, and they gave them time to work through the the struggles and the and the Jared Goff trade and all that stuff, which led to the Green Bay Detroit game at the end of last year that really catapulted them into this year. Well, I'll, t- I'll take you a step further than that. Last year they were one in five. Okay, right. they were coming off three thirteen and one. They were one in five last year, and people were beginning to ask questions about Holmes and about Campbell, and you know, did they get it wrong again? And she stepped in front of the media at one and five and doubled down and said, "I believe in these guys. I believe in our plan. We tore this thing down to the studs. We knew it would be painful, but we see the progress that we need to see." And then they went out and lost the next week. Well, then they went eight and two after that. So I don't know what told her that was the right time. But it was a heck of a move by her, and it was one that that even I looked at, and I'm like, man, are you sure? And, man, she <laughs> nailed it. She nailed it. Well, I, Dan, Bart here, and I know you're excited. And, I I mean, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on myself here a little bit. Um, so T.J. Reeves, Buck Sideline guy, is a good friend of ours, friend of the show. And so when I'm in the car and I'm not able to watch, I like kind of like to watch people I know and listen to people I know. And, man, I just I'm – a, I'm a Lions guy, Dan. I, nobody down here <laughs> in Alabama believes it, but – I turned over to listen to your broadcast, man, at the end. I heard the excitement. I heard the call. I heard just in – the re- not really relief, but jubilation. It started for me – a lot of kids growing up in Alabama, I'll keep this as short as I can because I've been really wanting to talk to you, um, watched baseball. They watched the Braves or the Cubs. That was all that's on, right? When it came to football – the Lions were on on Thanksgiving, and the Lions are the first football memory watching a game I ever remember. Uh, uh, Leonard Thompson, Billy Sims, right? And then it morphed into Barry and Wayne Fonts and Chris Miller and Herman Moore, and I was a huge fan. I had a Barry Sanders jersey. I had the starter coat, Dan. I had Love the it. starter coat, baby. It, it had Lions on the back and not the logo. I didn't like that, but I wasn't going to tell my dad that. <laughs> but my point being is this city – Man, and seeing where they've gotten to the point that Barry got to, right? But this expectation level is different, Dan. There's not really many Lions fans thinking that you can't go out to San Francisco and win. It was different like that in 91 against Washington. I know I was a high school kid, but I remember that. This Lions team can win this weekend, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. And I was on the other side of that in 91. I was actually – I grew up and worked in Washington, so – (laughs) <laughs> I was in there when they came in to play Washington that year. Nobody was beating that team. No, But uh, I just think, look, these fans have such deep roots uh, because, you know, the one thing about Detroit, man, it, it is it is a city and it is a state in Michigan where you grew up with it, whether it's Tigers, Red Wings, Pistons, Lions, your grandfather rooted for it, your father, your grandmother, your grandmother, and it's handed down and the traditions like Thanksgiving – are woven into the fabric of the state and these people love this team and they've waited a long time so what you're hearing and what you're feeling is just a lot of pent-up emotions 
from, you know, decades and decades and decades of, of just taking gut punches. And finally, things are starting to go right. And man, they're loving every minute of it. And, and it's not just that it's going right. It's going right. And it feels like it's being done the right way. That yes. you're building something with a foundation that has a chance to last that you can ask, actually believe in. And I think that resonates with a fan base that has the knowledge to understand that. So quick, quick question here, Dan, uh, before we go back to Jason and Mike. Does if if Jared, where does Jared Goff rank now in lore in Detroit? Uh, and if he wins this game or the Super Bowl, does, is he immediately elevated above Axel Foley? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, look, um, th- there's no doubt that Jared, by winning a division, winning two playoff games, look, nobody has – he – Tobin wrote, Bobby Lane, Jared Goff. Those are the three quarterbacks in the history of Detroit Lions football that have won two postseason games. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you where he is right now. And, look, we're, we're – we're, Axel Foley kind of stands by himself and he's coming back too. So you got a little plug. So, yeah. So um, look, but Jared has gone through some tough times here in Detroit and and faced a lot of doubts here in Detroit. The moment he walked in the door, people said, Oh, he's a bridge quarterback. Mm -hmm. Well, the only person that was telling everybody he absolutely was, it was Brad Holmes and Brad Holmes was right. And, my mind, Jared's going to get a big new contract at the end of this year, and he's going to be the Detroit Lions quarterback for the next several years. And I don't know where this thing is going. Yes, I absolutely believe they have a chance to go to San Francisco and win this week. It'll be a tough game, but, you know, there's four quarters separating them from the Super Bowl. Um, it, it's probably early to say where Jared is, but let's just put it this way. He's done things other quarterbacks haven't done, and these fans appreciate that. We've got the pleasure of an NFC Championship game preview courtesy of Dan Miller, voice of the Detroit Lions, who joins us here inside the Press Box on great radio stations throughout the Southeast and online, PressBoxRadio.com. We're talking about Jared Goff. Dan, we featured him in one of our segments earlier in the show, what we would call a life leader of the week, where we look for somebody who does something off the field as well as on the field. And he's been that kind of guy in Detroit, where he has been a big part of the community and made himself that. But I'm looking at a number. His last five games, against the Niners, he's 0-5. Is that number come up this week in Detroit? And and if so, how does he turn that around and finally notch that win to break that five-game losing streak? Yeah, it has. And, I mean, that's that's part of what going up against a team like San Francisco is all about. And he knows him from his time with the Rams. And, you know, he grew up in that area. So, I mean, he, he understands what the 49ers are and, you know, what that tradition is and, and how tough they'll be. But, Look, I don't think this team looks at history. I think this team looks at who they are right now. And much like Detroit Lions failures in the past, these guys don't own 0-16. These guys don't own the, the, the difficulties that other teams have had. They've carved their own path. And, and this team that Jared goes in there with, whether they win or lose, they will do it because of who they are today, not who Jared took in there when he was with the Rams or who Jared played with in 2021 when, when he was with the Lions and they played him early on in this rebuild. So, uh, look, this team believes in themselves. They, they believe in what they're capable of. They understand what kind of challenge this is going to be, but uh, I would bet you San Francisco understands that too because, you know, since October 30th of last year when the Lions started turning things around, they've been, you put their record up against anybody in this league and it stands right there. 
Dan, from your perspective, obviously you, you, you've been uh, calling the Lions for a long time. Another Tampa connection down here with me is Mark Champion, used to be the play-by-play guy of the mm-hmm. Buccaneers, who I know you know super well and called Lions games for many, many years. Just talk about, from your perspective, the joy it is to cover a team that's winning versus a team that you think's probably maybe not going to have a good year, and, and you've had many of those years, but knowing every Sunday that you come to the radio booth – you got a chance to be to be to be involved in a great game. You got a you got a progressive organization now, a good head coach, just a, the winning atmosphere that's around that Detroit. To me, it's more like an SEC environment. It's a college kind of environment. That fan base now with as much excitement. But for you, just being being in the booth every week and knowing you're you're calling a good team. Yeah, there's different levels to it. I mean, look, you, you look at at somebody like Mark who is outstanding, and he got to call every carry of Barry Sanders' career. So what an amazing thing to be able to do that. And every time you see the highlight films of Barry, that is Mark's voice on there, which is, you know, forever Mm. kind of the record of memory in the minds of Detroit Lions fans. Before the Lions won, I got to call Calvin Johnson and all the amazing things that he did. But there's nothing that beats winning. There's nothing that beats walking, as you said, into the booth, knowing you have a chance to win. And for those players walking on the field, knowing they have a chance to win. And for those fans flipping on the game on a Sunday, not expecting something bad to happen, but expecting something good to happen. And a lot of them are experiencing that for the first time in a long time. And, and maybe the first time ever that they really believed in it. I've had some okay teams. They made the playoffs, you know, in 2011, 2014, 2016. And a couple of the 2014 team was good, but They just couldn't get it together fully and went down to Dallas and lost. So there's just a difference between really believing in something and then feeling like, okay, I think we got a shot here. This team's good, regardless of what happens on Sunday. This team is really good, and they're building something. And this offseason will provide them more opportunity to get even better. And I don't know know, where this season will take us, but when you – look at your roster and you see depth and you see young guys and you see building blocks that gives you hope for the future. And it's not just about today. It's about, okay, you know, we're going to keep this thing going, go as far as we can, but you also know that you have hope to keep going forward and that you've got an organization that has a sound structure and is doing things that will allow you to feel good about this team for a while. So there's no doubt. Look, Bobby Ross said it once, he said, winning cures everything. It makes your food taste better. It makes your wife prettier. And maybe on the other side, I will, I will throw this in. It probably makes your husband more easier to tolerate. Yep. But you know what? <laughs> it, it is It just winning is the cure-all, and we're experiencing that right now. Dan, we got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, I have a question real quick about scheme this weekend because I, I'm a fantasy guy, and when Debo Samuel has been hurt, that offense has not been the same in San Francisco. The Detroit Lions do three things that have the ingredients to win a Super Bowl to me. They're awesome in the red zone, scoring touchdowns, not just field goals. They all they score a lot of touchdowns. They can stop the run, have stopped the run basically all year long. Um, and, and, and a little bit here and there, it had me great. But then lastly, they just do not give up a ton of big plays, um, you know, and, and I feel like the stopping the run is the biggest deal. How do you see this team? Are those two things good enough to win this game and get them into that Super Bowl and win it? Well, stopping the run is obviously a great place to start, and this has been a really good year for them in terms of doing that. So they've really done that since the beginning of the year. As you said, 
look, there's always going to be a one-off here or there where you don't have that big day. And, and they've, they've had that. They've given up some days here and there where they've been gashed on the ground. But um, look, obviously Debo playing or not playing is a big part of this game. We'll have to wait and see. But if you look at what the Lions have done over the last five weeks, they have had issues with big play receivers. If you look at what just Justin Jefferson did to him twice, if you look at what C.D. Lamb did to him, if you look at what Puka Nakua did to him, and then this past week, Evans had a big game. So uh, whether it's Samuel or one of those other, Ayuk or one of those other talented guys that, that San Francisco has, Kittle, whoever it is, the Lions have to just try to keep things in front of them and not make it easy on the opponent. Make Purdy go, you know, 12, 15 plays, 12 plays, 10 plays, whatever it is. Can't be four plays. You need to put some pressure right. back on him, get him in some third downs, let him try to make some plays, see if you can get something from him. Same thing we said about Baker going into that game. You can't make it easy. Get him behind the down sticks. And a couple of times they did that, they were able to force punts. So um, right now, the biggest issue for the Lions is just if you look at their corners, they're struggling some there. Uh, it's not necessarily the group that they thought would be out there at the beginning of the year, but it is where you are right now. So they got to generate some pass rush outside of Aiden Hutchinson, try to help those guys out by getting the ball out quicker, and then just try to communicate and lock down on the back end of that defense and cut down on some of the, the plays that they've allowed. Uh, they've been in some advantageous third down situations and given up some big third down plays and, that's tough to do against San Francisco and survive. Our thanks to Dan Miller, play-by-play radio voice of the Detroit Lions, and Mike Grace from the Press Box. Enjoy championship weekend. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.